Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of Effie Church, and this is our podcast. All right, well, this series has been something else. It actually took a turn I never expected, but I guess that's sort of fitting because life took a turn nobody expected, right? And so... The passage of scripture that we're going to talk about today, just like last week's, was always planned. I'm just amazed at God and how he does this. From the very first week of privileges, I had this piece of scripture picked out, and it perfectly fits privileges, and it perfectly fits the crisis that we're going through right now. Isn't God amazing like that? So I do want to mention the first week of privileges, I had briefly mentioned to you a plan for the Freedom Foundation, and some of you have, have spoken to me about that. Since you can go to effie.church slash give, scroll down a little bit, click learn more, and submit your faith promise there. But we are going to focus a little bit more on it later in the year in light of everything that's going on. But I did want you to know that's available if, if you would like to do that. So we're going to go ahead and jump into this today. Now, we're just going to read the very first part of the Lazarus story today. I mentioned to you last week that we might go here, and really it's a jump back in time from last week's message, and it's really just a conversation we're going to read today, a conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And you can go to effie.church slash sermon notes if you want to follow along, get some extra things that you can do throughout the week. You can even get discussion questions that you can talk about after this with your family if you'd like. But we're going to John 11, and I do encourage you to get your actual Bibles out. Open them up, follow along in the scriptures with us, just like you would if you were here in the room with us this morning. We're going to read in John 11, and what I want you to notice as we read this is really that there's two separate fear issues going on in this passage. Two separate fear issues. And I read a quote this week that said something like, where there is fear, there can be no intimacy. Where there is fear, there can be no intimacy. And so we have to acknowledge the fear sometimes. We have to speak to it. We have to um, acknowledge that it's present. I think sometimes Christians, we just want to pretend it's not there. We want to shove it under the rug. We want to push it aside. But sometimes we just have to face it head on, confront that thing, and put it behind us in a healthy way. And so two separate fear issues going on here. The first one is that Jesus was being hunted in Judea. Jesus was being hunted in Judea, they, they were trying to kill him. They were looking for him everywhere, trying to kill him. And the second fear issue is that Lazarus, a dear friend of Jesus, was very sick and could die. Okay? Two things to be afraid of. And spoiler alerts just before we read this. Number one, Jesus did not get captured or die in this particular instance, but it wasn't long before he was. It it, it actually, this situation actually increased the heat on him exponentially. And two, second spoiler, spoiler alert is that Lazarus did die. He does pass away, but he was raised by Jesus from the dead for a greater purpose. And so we're going to read through this passage piece by piece, and I'll kind of explain it as we go. John 11, verse 1. I hope you turn there in your Bible with us. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet, as we read last week, and wiped them with her hair. 
her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. Okay, so at this point, the disciples are probably thinking, cool, right? Jesus, he's going to do one of those moves where he just speaks healing and it happens somewhere else, you know, like with that soldier's kid, right? That's what he's going to do here. He's going to speak healing and we don't even have to go be there. Lazarus is going to be a-okay, right? But we know that Lazarus did die, actually, right? And sure, his story didn't end there, but he died, he, he experienced death, and Jesus just let it happen. He could have done something to prevent it, and he didn't. Jesus chose to stay in that place. He didn't do anything to prevent it. And so that got me thinking, right? Why would Jesus allow this to happen? And it finally hit me. Jesus didn't see death as the end. Sure, he, he knew he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but Jesus didn't see the death as the end for him either, and he doesn't see death as the end for any of us. And that's the thing. None of us should be seeing death as the end. When you're able to look at life in that way, your perspective changes completely. You actually begin to look at obedience in a whole different light. A new perspective gives you a new willingness to obey. Listen, our hope does not come from just proclaiming that sickness won't touch my house, although we should do that, right? Our hope doesn't come from health itself. Our hope does not come from protection itself or, or wealth and abundance itself. Yes, God provides those things most of the time. Absolutely, he does. But what happens to our faith when that's all our faith is built on and he suddenly doesn't provide it anymore. Right, what, what happens to faith that's built on health? What happens to faith that's built on wealth and protection and provision? Our hope doesn't actually come from those things that God provides, the blessings that come from him. Our hope comes from knowing that no matter what happens, death is not the end. To live is Christ. To die is gain. We have nothing to fear for that reason. Am I saying we shouldn't pray for protection? Absolutely not. Am I saying we shouldn't pray for healing? Absolutely not. We should pray for those things because God loves to give them. Prayer is powerful. He wants to be in those conversations with you. He wants to hear your, your deepest thoughts and fears and desires. He wants to be there. But that's not where our hope comes from. Our hope comes from the source of those things. Our hope comes from eternity spent in heaven with him. And, and we actually see this. And we continue reading in verse 5. It says, so although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Stayed where he was. He chose not to go. And finally, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. But by this time, his disciples objected. And here's where you start to see the second fear creeping in. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are, are you really going there again? 
<laughs> you can feel the fear in their voice, right? Are, are you really going to, you, you're going there, okay, we're going there again, right? Jesus replied, odd reply, by the way, just listen to this. Jesus replied, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. If, if I'm a disciple right now, I'm like, uh, what? But how does that answer my question? Right? And I know that this seems a little confusing in the context of this conversation. But what he's saying here, and you have to dig a little deeper, is that Jesus is the light of the world. When we walk with Jesus, we don't have to fear what's coming. He is the light. And even if he leads us into death, we don't fear. And even if he leads us into sickness, we don't fear. Even if he leads us into prison, we don't fear. Even if he leads us to the cross, we don't have to fear because he led us there, because he's got this, right? It's only when we do those, those crazy uh, leaps of faith outside of his will that we stumble, that we have something to fear. It's when we're stumbling around in the darkness, right? It's not our job to go barreling into battle blindly. Only if God puts us there. It's our job to, to seek the word of the Lord for ourselves and listen carefully to it. This is why the Holy Spirit is so important. He will whisper things to your soul that seem crazy, but if Jesus is in it, it's not crazy at all. God, if God says move, you better move. If God says stay, you better stay. Wasn't it Moses who said, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. Right? If you're not going, I'm not going. The rest of his people had gone out into battle, but God wasn't in that battle. If God's in the battle, you will find victory. If he's not, you're stumbling around in the dark. Moses said, where else would I go, Lord? Where else would I go? Your presence has everything that I need. When you say get up and go, I will go. When you say march into battle, I will march confidently into battle. But when you say stay, I'm staying. Do I believe God can heal? Of course I do. Do I believe we should pray for it? Of course I do. But there is a balance between surrender and prayer. It, Jesus modeled this for us, right? In his final moments before they came and arrested him, we see him in the Garden of Gethsemane just pouring out his heart to God. And he says, if, 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 if it's possible, God, let this cup pass from me, right? If it's possible, but ultimately let your will be done. Your will be done. He expressed his deepest desires and fears to God, but ultimately surrendered his will to the Father's. Let your will be done. There is a balance. Not that we should be double-minded in our prayers and ask God, well, if you can't do this, then do this. And if you can't do this, then do this. We should ask him specifically for what we want by name, but ultimately understanding that he's got the final say. We are surrendered to him. Look, right now is one of these moments where we need to maintain this balance carefully. We, we need to hold on to that, but even if he doesn't kind of faith. 
like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from, from Daniel 3, right? They marched up to the king and they said, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He is able. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand, even if that means an eternity, right? But your God's, <clears throat> sorry, but even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he doesn't. Look, my God is able. My God is able. He is the provider, the deliverer, the comforter, the healer. That is who he is. He is able. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to be obedient. I'm going to be obedient because I trust him. Right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were obedient for obedience's sake, for the Lord's sake, not just for the sake of deliverance. They weren't just trying to twist God's arm by being obedient to get him to do what they want. They were obedient to the Lord because it was the right thing to do because they trusted their God that much. It is a privilege to serve God, to give everything, to surrender everything, even when it doesn't seem like it's going to pay off for us. But if we're only in it for the reward at the end, are, are we actually obedient? If we're only in it for the reward. Think about this from a parenting perspective, right? If, if I have to manipulate my kid into being obedient every time, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying there aren't times, okay? But if I have to manipulate them every time into doing what I want, is that an obedient child? Or am I just training them to only obey when I reward them? And so the second they don't get a reward, they're out, right? They're not listening anymore. And again, sometimes it's helpful in the beginning when they're young to train them with a prize, with something, with that carrot at the end. But that has to stop at some point, right? My mom used to put, I think, a jar of jelly beans on the back of the toilet while potty training, right? <laughs> to, you know, you only got to pick a jelly bean if you used the potty, right? But it would be weird and awful if I was still only using the potty as a 30-something-year-old to get the jelly bean, right? That, that, that at some point, I had to learn that it's way worse on everyone, including myself, if I don't just... Be obedient to what my mother is asking of me, right? We have to learn at some point that even when it doesn't seem to me like it's good in the short run, it's going to be good in the long run. We have to understand that mama knows best and that our father God knows best. We have to do obedience. We have to be obedient for the sake of obedience because we trust in the Lord. And when you're able to look at life the way that Jesus did, right, that death is not actually the end, you look at obedience differently too. You can't walk away from this message today and just say, you know what, I'm going to try harder. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and I'm, I'm just going to have more faith. The thing is, faith is built brick by brick. You don't just try harder. It's not just something you put on necessarily like joy because you will walk out of this message and you will say, I'm just going to have more faith. And the second you feel the fear coming in, you feel like a failure. But listen, as a church, as a nation, as a race of humans right now, we are in a faith building season. 
We get to rejoice in this season because it builds our faith. Because at the end of this, we know that we're not only going to make it through this better, we're not only going to make it through this in survival mode, but we're going to make it through this better than we were before. We're going to have more faith at the end of this. Everything I've been preaching for a year culminates in this moment that we're in right now. Just Fultz reminded me of this. She, she's working at York Hospital. They're, they're, you know, they're overwhelmed. They're already feeling the stress of all this. And she, she texted me the other day and she said, look, I just realized you've been warning us all year that something big is coming. And by the way, I had no idea what, what big thing. But, but she said, you've been saying for a year, you know, that, that God is in the battle, that it builds our faith. And all of these things you've been saying, you know, when God is doing something, he's doing something. And when it seems like he's doing nothing, he's doing something. All of these things that you've been saying, they're all building my faith to this moment. They're helping me through this moment. I feel like it's all been about this moment. This is where deep faith is born moments like these, our faith is built brick by brick. And every single day that you are tested is an opportunity. Every single day that you feel that fear creep up in you, it's an opportunity to proclaim the promises of God, who he is, and build your faith brick by brick and watch him work in your life. But we have to remember during all of this that God sees things differently than we do. Right? We're not just proclaiming promises and our hope is in the promises. Our hope is in the source of the promises. And he sees things differently than we do. And so verse 11, Jesus goes on to say, listen, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. And the disciples are like, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. Right? We don't have to go. <laughs> They're still trying to get over that fear of going back to Judea. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly. I love that Jesus will break things down for us sometimes when we're confused. Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. So now you will really believe. Come, let's go and see him. Wait, what? <laughs> right? If, I, if I'm one of those disciples, I'm confused right about now. Like, first of all, you said he wasn't going to die. Then you just said he died. Second of all, if he died, why did you wait two days? You knew about this two days ago. Third of all, if he did die, why are we going to see him? <laughs> right? And fourth, what does daylight have to do with anything? Right? Like so many questions if I'm one of the disciples right now. But we have to remember that God sees things differently than we do. What we see as dead, he may see as only sleeping. Right? What we see as dead, he sees as only sleeping. That's why we need to be obedient. Because he sees things differently. We can't possibly have the perspective that God has without asking him. Right? We can't possibly understand the world that he created like he does. His ways are so much higher. Like the song we sang today said, his, his thoughts so much higher. We have to trust him. Trust him. He is so worthy of your trust. Look, when Aaron and I, my husband and I were going through the health challenges that we were going through last year, he had kidney failure for those of you who are just joining us, end stage renal disease and, you know, dialysis. And, and eventually he got a kidney transplant in October. Thank God. But um, as we were going through all that, we had to wrestle with this stuff. 
You know, I, I personally have prayed over people and have seen them healed. So God, I know you can do it. Why aren't you healing my husband? Right, God, I know that you can do it, that you are the healer. I know these things. And maybe if I, I these thoughts crept up in me, right? Maybe if I just try harder, maybe if, if I just have more faith, maybe I'm not good enough, I'm not faithful enough, I, I'm not whatever enough, right? Maybe the problem is me because I know you are good. I know you are the healer. So maybe it's me. And I honestly think that the only way to actually come to these conclusions is to walk through something like this. I can tell you and you can receive the truth today, but you don't have that experiential knowledge. There's a new level of understanding that comes with walking through something like this. You know, during all of that, we, we got these pieces of revelation. Like somebody, one of you from Freedom Valley would come up to us and say, look, I'm going through something right now, but I don't know if I would have the courage or the faith to walk through this if, if you guys weren't walking through what you're walking through. I mean, yours is so much worse and you still show up every single week and feed us, right? People will come up to us and say, look, I'm, I'm really, I'm in this right now because you're in this right now. I can see my way through it because you're setting the example. And Aaron and I would look at each other like, maybe this is why we're going through that, right? For them, maybe this is why. God, if, if this is what we have to do to build faith in others, uh, all right, we'll do it. <laughs> Right? And, and there were times, you know, those midnight moments where there's just so much pain or fear. And we had to encourage each other like, no, you know, God is still God. God is still good. He has a plan through all of this. We can't see it right now, especially through the pain. The world just looks so blurry and muddy and you just can't see your way through it but God is still God and God is still good and even though we can't see it right now we trust you God we trust you even if it leads us to death we trust you our identity isn't in each other our identity isn't in the lives that we live our identity isn't in the the titles that we hold it's in you Jesus and nothing else we're gonna be okay because God is still God, and God is still good. We need people right now who are willing to stand up and say that to our world, to proclaim that the hope that comes from knowing that death is not the end. The church is the hope of the world, and we don't have to be in these walls to be that church. We are the hope of the world, and we carry that with us wherever we go. And this is illustrated in verse 16, amazingly. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go to and die with Jesus. I get goosebumps every time I read that verse. Let's go to and die with Jesus. All of those fears running through his head, right? They're hunting Jesus in Judea. We could all get thrown in jail. We could all get crucified through this, guys. All, all of those fears that just must be running through his head, and yet he has the courage to stand up and say, all right, guys, let's do this, right? Come what may, we're following Jesus, right? Even when it seems like it's going to be bad, I'm trusting him, choosing to trust him. Listen, your surrender to what Jesus is asking you to do might result in lots of other people's surrenders too. 
Your leaders need you right now, in fact. Right? The leader, even Jesus, a perfect leader. The leader can stand up and say, this is what we're doing. But it takes a brave follower to step up to. Right? Someone else to say, yeah, okay, let, let's, let's go, guys. Let's do it. Right? To start the movement, to start that momentum. We need leaders out there willing to follow and to get others rounded up too. You know, during all this craziness, I'm watching press conferences every day, watching our governor, watching the president, and just following all of this so closely. And when the governor this week announced that all businesses should shut down if they're non-life-sustaining, I quickly looked through the list. Like, what does that mean for us? Religious organizations are on the list as being essential, as being life-sustaining. And at first I was like, heck yeah, we are, right? Like, heck yeah. But then I started to wonder, like, but why does the government think so? You know, like, I know we are. I get it. But, like, <laughs> why does the government think so? And I came across this article uh, this week, somebody sent it to me actually, that talked about how the army still pays for chaplains to jump out of airplanes with teams. Right? They send them on missions overseas and, and in wars and things. And there was this pastor once that asked a general in the army, like, why does, with all this separation of church and state, like, why does the army still pay for chaplains, men of faith, men and women of faith, to go along on these missions? Like, how do they justify that? I mean, I know it's important, but, you know, from a government perspective. And the answer that came from the general was, there is a reason the army pays for chaplains who jump out of airplanes. Because soldiers need them. Soldiers need them. They need them to speak hope when things look scary. They need them to speak life and light back into their worlds, right? We have a different perspective because we have Jesus. The church is an essential personnel in this case. We are life-sustaining, and I am not the church. Jason, Aaron, this building, we're not the church. You are the church. Thomas saw it as a privilege to get up and go, to follow Jesus into what very well might be a battle, even if it meant death. He had no idea what Jesus was talking about or what he was going to do, but he walked with Jesus for a while by this point. He had seen a thing or two. Jesus had proved himself to him. And hasn't he proven himself to you? Hasn't he provided in ways you never expected? Hasn't he healed in ways you never expected? Hasn't he been there with you through crisis after crisis? He has proved himself to you, and right now he's asking you to get up and walk into battle and help someone else. You are life-sustaining, church. You are essential in this crisis, and it is a privilege to serve Jesus in this way. Surrender is a privilege. We talk about childlike innocence, right? How we wish we could return to it sometimes where someone took care of you and provided for you and you didn't understand all the ways of the world yet, right? We have this longing to return to that sometimes. Isn't that just surrender? That childlike innocence, that faith. It's just surrender. With God, you're called to have childlike faith. A childlike surrender to his will. And it is a privilege that we get that 
luxury. And isn't that what we've been talking about all month? Tithing, generosity, serving, giving our everything to people, for people. The first week, we talked about how we can trust God with our 10% because he promises to provide. He is our provider. The second week, and you can catch up on all of these at effie.church slash podcast. The second week, we learned how he provides so much, right? That we have overflow to give to others and be generous. He doesn't provide that abundance and that overflow for you. He provides it so you can be generous to others because as we learned the third week, Jesus modeled for us that he treasures people over all money and possessions every single time. We're talking about surrender. Surrendering everything to a God who is able to provide exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask for or think of. A God who created earth and everything in it. A God who hears us when we pray. A God who answers us when we call. A God who loves us so, so much. And it is a privilege because he is the God that heals. He is the God that is master of death. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He laid the foundations of the earth. He ordered the laws of nature so he can break those laws when he wants to. Right? And I want to read you the very end, the the peak, the climax of this story. So we're going to jump ahead a little bit in John 1138, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave, the stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for days. She wasn't quite surrendered yet. And so she was arguing with God. (laughs) about something good and amazing he wanted to give her. She was only looking at the natural. We win the war in the spiritual, right? Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Church, it's time for us to take off the grave clothes to go and proclaim to the world what our God is capable of, right? He's brought us through so much, and yet some of us are still walking around with those grave clothes. It's time to surrender everything to him, to pray for what we want, but to ultimately say, God, it's your will. It's your will, not my own. Jesus modeled for us a faith that went beyond what he wanted what he felt. He submitted everything to God. Everything, everything, everything. His very life, his comfort, his fleshly selfish desires, everything. That's what those disciples were learning to die to. Their selfishness for the sake of other salvation. 
And he's asking the same, the same kind of surrender from us. So church, let's go to and die with Jesus. Father, we thank you today that you are a good God, that you want the best for us, that even when we can't see it today or tomorrow, that you ultimately have the best for us in mind. God, we surrender our will to yours. Thank you that you are such a good, big, holy, amazing provider, God. Help us rely on you more fully than ever before. Listen, today, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Savior, to give you a a fresh start, a, a new heart, you just have to pray a very simple prayer. Jesus has made it so easy for you to receive forgiveness from your heavenly Father, for you to enter into a right relationship with him, one where you can just express your fears, your desires, your hopes and dreams. He wants to be in those conversations with you. And to do that today, all you have to do, and you can do it right at home, you can just say, Father, I believe you sent your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins, and I accept his forgiveness in my life. I want to live his way from today forward. If you want to pray that prayer today, especially for the first time, or maybe it's just been a long time since you prayed it, type I'm in in the comments from wherever you're watching this. We'd love to respond, to put tools in your hands to help you understand that decision that you just made. Or you can go to fv.church slash I am in for all of that information as well. Please do let us know that you made that decision today. We would love to help. But maybe for the rest of you, you know, today you're just saying, I, I need a new perspective. I've been looking at this the wrong way. I- I've been so fierce fearful, but also beating myself up for being fearful. I haven't been expressing those to God and allowing him to work on that with me. I just need a new perspective. I'd like to pray for you in that way too. Type that in the comments, or you can go to fe.church slash sermon notes and comment there as well if you'd like to be a little less public. I'd love to pray for you and partner with you in that way today. So Father, Thank you for every single person who has made a decision, any decision, a decision toward you today. Thank you, Jesus, for making the sacrifice for us that you made, for setting such amazing examples of faith, of sacrifice, of vibrancy, of passion, of selflessness. God, help us continue to be that vibrant, passionate church you've called us to be help us change the world with the message of the gospel. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together one more time today. Sing that again. The Lord bless.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.